to the Worship Leader Essentials podcast brought to you by Worship Catalyst. We are here to help leaders learn how to do more with less. For more information or engage with us, please visit worshipcatalyst.com. We're so glad you're here today. Let's learn together. Welcome to another episode of the Worship Leader Essentials podcast. I'm Austin Ryan. As always, your host, we are brought to you by Worship Catalyst and... um, Today, uh, man, we literally try to say every single time that we're going to try to help you do more with less. And uh, I'm not sure how to categorize this episode of the podcast, but I've got a good friend um, with us here named John Reinagle. John is a, a he, he and I are co pastors, actually, of a church and uh, kind of a house church network. And um, a long time ago in John's spiritual journey, uh, he chose that he wanted to be a pastor. Like God called him to be pastoring churches, to help churches. And, and he chose to do that without getting paid. Now, we're going to unpack that for you because uh, John's got a lot to teach us about the motivation behind that as well as how he did that and all that kind of stuff. But I want to, I want to talk about it from a little bit more of a macro perspective because you may be a pastor out there or a worship leader uh, and your kind of goal or mission or whatever has been that you want to be full time at your church, you know? And so, um, you know, you're thinking of that barista job or that construction job or whatever it is that you do as a placeholder or just a way to make enough money for today so that when the time comes for the for it to be full time like that's the goal and you know it may not be a bad goal i'm not saying it is but i just want to throw in some realities into the picture here and that is that um the average evangelical church size in america is 65 people and seven out of 10 U.S. churches are under 100 people. And typically, when you think about a um, congregation adding a second full-time staff person, that church is usually 200 people in attendance or more. And only 10% of United States churches are at 250 or more. So our you know internal research that we've done has and our questions that we've asked and you know places that we've kind of gone and tried to get the information it looks like only about 15% of churches in the United States ever get past one full-time staff person and many of those don't even have a full-time lead pastor many 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 and so uh, the reality uh, like when we lived in Las Vegas, there was 2.2 million people. And uh, we were trying to figure this out, uh, but we don't think there were more than about 20 or 25 full-time worship leaders in a city of 2.2 million. And the trend is not going to more full-time church staff people. The trend is going to less full-time church staff people. And so I think this is a really important conversation for us to just kind of start to process what happens? What do we do? How do we think about the, the, the fact that a lot of people that want to be full-time at churches are probably not going to be able to do that? So let's meet John and let him help us out on this a little bit. So John, 
uh, tell us who you are, what you do, and uh, and all that, and then we'll get into some questions. Well, um, name's John Reinagle, um, co-pastor with you with uh, Common Ground Online, as well as um, a franchise owner for um, window cleaning business called Fish Window Cleaning. We're based in New Orleans, Louisiana, and um, so that's my day job, and then um, of course pastoring the church with you. That's right, man. So John. Uh, John and I have been friends since we used to live in uh, Sawarita, Arizona together way back in the day and our kids were in preschool and all that. So, um, so John, what, um, t- first of all, before we get into your career story, let's get into your faith story. So what is that journey? What was that journey like and what is it like today? Yeah. Um, I would, you know, I would say that I was the, um, the cynic in the room, as you probably remember. Um, my, um, you know, for me, um, I was definitely about worldly things, my career and my next step was my focus and what was important. And, you know, my house and my wife, and my kids were my scorecard and how I was doing. Um, and you know, definitely though, was realizing that I was feeling empty, not getting very far and, um, found, um, common ground in Arizona where we had met, um, and started going there. Um, mostly because my wife was going and um, you know, I thought I'd placate her and go for a few times, but um, had no plans of sticking around and that, you know, and the rest I would say note, is history. Side <laughs> note, what did you do on your very first day at Common Ground? I told uh, the pastor that, um, that I didn't, um, exactly did I say to him? I told him that um, I did not believe any of this. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yes. So oh. I pulled John. Uh, he did, man. He was like pretty clear. This is my wife's story, not my story, right? And you're supportive exactly. of your of supportive of Laurie. So um, anyway, but I asked him if he could run a camera. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then uh, after that, I asked him if he could run a camera two weeks after that. And then, you know, kind of got into a rotation. Yeah. And really, I set out to really debunked. I read the Bible because I wanted to see what this was all about. So I could tell my wife why this wasn't worth our time. And as I read it and as I got to know people in the church and as I listened, um, or, you know, I would say not, unfortunately, fortunately, the reverse <laughs> happened. Unfortunately, you were wrong. Wait, <laughs> I was no, wrong. fortunately, you were wrong. <laughs> fortunately, I was wrong. And, um, you know, um, after, uh, probably about a good year, you know, of trying to, find why it was not the right thing i realized it was and gave my life to christ best decision i ever made changed um my value system and how i valued and looked at the world and my place in it do you know that i love that man and do you know that uh i remember so clearly uh, we were doing a closing song and uh at the end of the service and you know and we were set up tear down, you know, of course, and we had curtains around the back of the chairs and you go behind the curtains to make some sort of faith decision or pray with someone or whatever. And go behind the curtain. That was the thing. (laughs) That was was instead of coming forward, it was go backward to the (laughs) behind the curtain. Like hopefully there's nothing weird is going on back there. But, uh, I remember super clearly, man, like we were doing this closing song and you weren't on the camera stand. And I was like, Hey, what happened? Where were you? You know, uh, that and you were like hey i went back there and gave my life to christ man yep and so uh i'll just love i just like as a side note i just love the story 
that, and, and we'd say this often, utilize people who are far from God in various areas of ministry, gets them involved, gets them connecting with real Christians, you know, gets them in a place of like having to be there and hear the gospel over and over again, stuff like that. Because like, this is a story of a guy who shows up at church to support his wife and debunk Christianity. Those are his two goals. Who ends up as a pastor, you know? And I love it so much. So uh, somewhere along the way, you decided, I'm a Christian. I want to serve churches, but, but I don't want to charge for that or, or whatever. So tell me, tell me what happened with that. Well, we, you know, we, um, I, you know, I really had a, as I started, you know, then we really live within Christian faith and learn more about that. Um, you know, I really felt a calling to want to give back. And church planning was something that was very interesting to me. You know, not just going to a, the mega church or anything like that. I really wanted to um, focus on church planning. Well, there's not a lot of money the church plants. So obviously, my I was looking at going. Well, I have a skill set. You know, I come from a business background. I can find work. Why burden the church with my financials? Let me let me find a way to provide for myself, and my family financially. But then I could give and minister to the church that person. And so um, you ended up buying a franchise and starting a window cleaning company. So why that? Uh, you know, it, it was one of those things that fell into place. We were doing our research. We were looking. Do we want to buy a business? Do we want to do that? You know, I, like I said, I came from a business background. I felt like I could, that was something I could do well, um, give us some flexibility. And really with the window cleaning, I, if nothing I ever did. Um, but the model, it turned out that the franchise was started by a Christian family. And you could see that within the, how they modeled the business and the values that they put forth, but really fit in. So it was a, it was a business model that I thought made a lot of sense fit in. What Right. And so, um, Cammie and you and I had this conversation the other day. Uh, a lot of people say, you have to be passionate about that thing that's your job. Like you have to wake up every day and be passionate. And I just, I've known you a long time and I just don't see the passion in cleaning windows. And so what, so what is the, what is the passion realizing you don't personally clean that many windows, <laughs> but what is the, uh, what, what drives you to wake up in the morning and continue to build a business like that? Well, I think it's two, it's twofold. I mean, obviously it continues to provide for my family so that, you know, we can, uh, pay our bills and pay the rent just like everybody else. Um, but also I think the people who we employ, um, being able to see them succeed and giving them a chance to do those same, same things, um, excite me. You know, I, you know, I'm, I feel at my best when I think they're winning and I feel like I'm at my worst if they don't feel like that they're succeeding. That's where we get a lot of that joy. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I love that. So, um, it's just a little word out there. Like you may be thinking, man, the only thing I'm passionate about is the church, but just think about the possibility. And I'm going to talk about some of these benefits here. Just think about the possibility as we, as we go into this next section of what it might look like for you to do something to provide financially so that you can be a part of ministry, um, and do exactly what God's called you to do. And so, John, what are some, benefits that you've seen as you've now been a pastor who works, you know, with his own business? Yeah, I think, um, you know, three things really pop out to me. One is it 
changed the way I look at ministry. You know, I think a lot of times we think of ministry, we're like, oh, it's the worship ministry, student ministry, um, the, the children's ministry, or being a pastor. It, it's the construct of being in the physical four walls of the church. Um, but if you really think about what ministry is, right, it's an activity carried out by Christians to express or spread our faith. And so I think that's something we can do that doesn't require us to have that role. So I feel like it allowed me to broaden my view of ministry. It's not just when I'm acting um, within the confines of the church, but how, you know, even within business I run or organize, other organizations I'm a part of, how am I being a minister there to the faith? How am I showing what it is to be a Christian by how I act, what I do? And then when people go, hey, you know, how are you able to do that? And then I can share, oh, through by God, his blessing. So it really opens the door. I love that, man. The, the benefit there um, and the perspective change. Because I really do think that a lot of times, and we, we mess this up by using the language. What do you, I'm in the ministry. Like that's the, right. or something like that. <laughs> that's the language. Well, what does right. that mean? Like, because, right. you know, it, everything is ministry, right? And if we have pigeonholed ourselves into, only what we do as a part of our church career is ministry, then we have basically like deep, like frauded the word ministry, you know? I mean, anybody who's a Christian is a minister. They should be ministering to whoever they're around. That's what we actually even called, uh, instead of saying church members, right? Right. Church ministers. Exactly. That's good. All right. What are some other benefits? Um, I think the other one, I think it, 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 it allows you to keep focused on what's on what's right. Or what you know, what the true mission is. Uh, you know, if we're in a church, is there a possibility? You know, that at some point, if the numbers start to dwindle and the money starts to dry up, are you? Then, then does that become a stress point, right? And then you become focused on, hey, I got to get people in the seats because I need to make my rent, or hey, I'm just this is who God's put in front of me, and this is who I'm going to minister to. So I think again, it removes that burden um, and allows you to stay focused on what's right because you got another source provide for the you know the the, the need you know they, they exist you know we have to pay our rent we have to buy groceries it's a necessary evil sort of speak and so take that away and separate the two i think sometimes it's good. we say that over and over again with church plants where um they start out with this clear mission all right we're going to invest in the community we're going to you know have these you know opportunities for people to come to faith or we're going to build these relationships and we're going to start these you know maybe missional communities or whatever the strategy is and then uh, the donors start to dry up, you know, because they start to roll off and you go decreased funding from the whatever right. groups they're with. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, we got to do a service and it's got to be big and we got to <laughs> do this because we have to have people because we have to have tithes because I have to get paid and all that kind of stuff. Right. And the tail starts wagging the dog pretty fast. Yep. So what I hear you saying is that having this financial source that provides for your needs, you can stay on mission with what God's called you to do with the actual church part. Right. Absolutely. I love that. What's another benefit? Uh, yeah, the, I'd say the last one I think of is it keeps me grounded in their lives, right? When we live in full-time ministry, sometimes we end up in that church bubble, right? You know, who are we interacting with? We're interacting with other worship leaders all the time or other children's leaders, the people within our church or the lead, other leaders within our church. But by having this other avenue where I'm, having to go and I go to work, I'm now out in the world and I'm getting an opportunity to interact with people who aren't saved, who are lost. Um, and 
really, I think that really keeps me grounded too. Into what are we trying to do versus getting, again, being within that bubble, maybe getting lost. Man, that's amazing. I remember a time I came to, cause so I've been, uh, so I was in full-time like church ministry, uh, for, I don't know, uh, uh, 17 years or something like that, I guess maybe, or 15 years. I don't know. And, um, the, I remember getting to a point and I've, I have come to this point multiple times in my life where I didn't have any, I didn't have any relationships with people, any meaningful relationships with people who were far from God, you know? And I think there's something about being on church staff where like your family's a Christian, your coworkers are Christians, all your friends are Christians, all your band is a Christian, you know, all this kind of stuff. And that's like, where am I? And the driving this church ministry just keeps you involved with Christians all the time. Right. So I love that you're saying it keeps you grounded in the lives of people that you serve, like that are, that don't know Jesus. So do you have any like, like interesting stories about that? Like being around uh, far from God people and giving them chances and connecting with them and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I have one um, from, from our business. Of course, you know, we're always, you know, hiring and um, we were is doing- that a pl- plea right now? <laughs> it is. If you're in New Orleans and looking for work, look us up. Um, yeah, John would be the best <laughs> boss in the world. Seriously, if you want to live in New Orleans and be in ministry, he can hire you full time today, washing windows. Absolutely. Um, so we're all, you know, we're, like I said, we're always hiring, and um, there's one gentleman who came in one day, and um, we were. He'd been interviewed by my operations manager, and I, I was talking to him for a second interview. And, um, you know, he'd had a, a rough background. Um, and actually, he'd spent, done 10 years of hard time. And had recently been released. Uh, I just asked him point blank. I said, why did I hire you? And he looked at me, you know, just straight in the face, you know, as earnestly as he could, and said, that I, I don't want to go back to prison. And I really believe that. And we hired him. And he was just someone looking for a second chance. And that's so often nowadays, people don't get those chances, right? Cancel culture and other things drive that, but uh, we don't see that. And so I feel, again, here's a way I can minister to somebody and give him that chance. And he, they, he came in and quickly became one of our best cleaners. And is being groomed for a promotion because um, of the work that he's done. You know? So it, he's done that. But I think it was, you know, looking back and going, what, again, what would Jesus have done? Jesus provided those, sec- he would give second chance by giving that and doing that. Um, you know, I believe it impacted his life. And then he knows that I'm a person of faith and you want them to start asking those questions. Hmm, maybe there's something there for me. I, that's beautiful, man. And I, I've got a friend, another friend who's um, owns probably six or seven businesses, and he has somewhere in the range of five hundred employees. And uh, he kind of sees them as his congregation, you know. Mm-hmm. Like not many of them have faith stories and things like that, or at least completed ones <laughs> where they come <laughs> to faith in Christ. But do you do you kind of see yourself as almost a pastor to your employees? And how do you how do you live out your faith around them in a way that that kind of helps encourage them towards God? Yeah, I mean that's a great question. I think um, I think one, it's always you know we always try to show grace, 
Um, we always try to understand what's going on in their lives, understanding them. Um, obviously, still holding them accountable, you know, to proper standards. I think that's still important, just like we would in, within the church and with um, other Christians. We, you know, we, we hold them to standards, but we coach and mentor them along the way. And I think that for a lot of the people we bring in, that's just a new concept. They're just not used to being treated that way. And so I think that just drives them to ask questions. And then, you know, I think we're not shy about what drives that for us. So I think that, that helps them, you know, then gets them involved. And I know some have, some have gone to church. Some maybe weren't going to church as much, but have started going again. So um, cool to hear those stories. That is. And I bet you you're the best boss they've ever had. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Well, they probably have bosses who have been, I mean, if they uh, you know, if, you know, depending on what their, what other kinds of jobs mm-hmm. they've had, I bet you they've had bosses that aren't as kind and gracious and caring about them as you are. Well, I strive to be, you know, we do the best we can. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, I think this is a really important conversation, John, and I appreciate you having it with us today. The, um, is there anything else on your mind? You good? Okay. Time. Cool. Yeah. No, that's great because I Love think it's it. really important. I think that there's this you know, one of the reasons that you and I are, are dipping our toe in the kind of ministry that we're doing mm-hmm. is because there's probably a future. It's all around the world. There's a current reality in house churches and small gatherings mm-hmm. and family unit church, you know, whatever it is, the church takes on this view all over the place in various things. And, you know, in a, in, a, in America, we've got mega church and parish church and, you know, all these various types of, you know, congregations, these church plants, they mean schools or this or that or the other. At some point, I, the, this idea of smaller gatherings, for whatever reason, is probably going to be a bigger reality in America. And so for us to be able, like, I would encourage 15, 16, 17 year olds, if you want to be a worship pastor in a church, uh, get that second degree of school teacher or engineer or nurse or whatever, so that you can like be a worship leader or be a pastor or whatever, but you might need to have a career and you might even want to have a career. Right. And this is the best time to go be looking for that job because I can tell you employers are hungry. Um, I mean, you've got the, the growing gig economy is out there, um, which gives you flexibility. Um, but I think this is a time too where you could probably go in and um, help negotiate some flexibility that maybe you couldn't in the past because there's a lot of job openings. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, we're going to put, I'll tell you what, if you're kind of thinking through, A, if you're in New Orleans and want a job uh, uh, with John and his company, that's one thing. But you may also just have some questions about, um, kind of the process that he went through and he and his wife went through uh, to get to the place of actually running a business, owning a business on their own so they could be involved in ministry. So uh, we'll put his email address in the show notes and uh, feel free to reach out to John and uh, he'll you know spend some time with you and answer any questions. Absolutely. I mean, he's a, he's a business owner. What else is he going to do? <laughs> oh, there's plenty. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for being with us today, John. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you for uh, checking out the uh, Worship Leader Essentials podcast. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Worship Catalyst. And 
uh, we have some great things for you for free all the time on there. So God bless. Have a great week and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.